following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 today. Ephesians chapter 4, excuse me, Ephesians chapter, did I get that right? 5, sorry, my fault, 5, Ephesians 5. Looking at Ephesians 5, chapter, or chapter 5, verse 17, 18, 19, 20. Let's go to 20. 520. <clears throat> Let me tell you something, it's good to be a part of Community Gospel Church. We found out um, in the past two years We've seen at Oktoberfest 125 individuals make declarations for Jesus Christ through uh, us being in the community. We can praise God for that today, right? It is awesome to see uh, so many people who are active and um, just really on fire to share their faith with those who are lost and to build up their brothers and sisters in Christ. It was awesome this past week um, just to spend time with... um, People who uh, have, have just been so much of a part of the Community Gospel Church family, talking to them about what they're doing far and talking to people just about what's going on here locally, too. So there's a lot to, encourage, to be encouraged about, but also to praise the Lord for. In the study for the sermon today, I was um, looking at a couple of things, and I came across a story. It's getting to be Thanksgiving time. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> It's nuts, right? Thanksgiving is almost here, so is Christmas. And let me tell you something, you cannot start playing Christmas music until the time changes at least, okay? I kept my Christmas lights up all year round, um, and that was a good decision for us and a family this year, because we turned them on during the 4th of July, so it made sense. We just wanted to keep them up there. But I think Christmas is only, what, like 9, 10, 11 weeks away, Thanksgiving's coming up too. Anyway, there was a father, a father and a um, couple of parents who were at the Thanksgiving table, and they thought that uh, during this Thanksgiving feast, they're going to let their son pray for the food. It's always interesting when you let your kids pray for the food, isn't it? You learn a great deal about your prayers when you let your kids pray. Amen? And so they're like, we feel that it is good for you to be able to pray for the food. And the kid says, okay, mom and dad, here we go. Closes his eyes. Dear Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. Dad looks over at Mom. Yeah, we're doing a good job. He says, I thank you for my grandma and my grandpa. I thank you for my aunts and my uncles. I even thank you for my brothers and sisters. He says, God, I want to thank you for the food. I thank you for the turkey, the mashed potatoes. I thank you for the gravy, all the things, God, that are at the table today. And then he pauses. The father looks over at him, and he's got one eye open, and he's like, Dad. He's like, yes, son, what's up? If I thank God for the broccoli, he's going to know I'm lying. (laughs) God knows what's going on in our hearts, doesn't he? He knows what is going on underneath the skin. And we've been talking about what does it mean to be spirit-filled. And if you go back in the Bible, chapter 5, you will see very clearly that it says that you should be filled with the Spirit. And that word filled in verse 18 talks very specifically about 
a conscious awareness of doing what God wants us to do, being submissive to the Spirit. Paul tells us you should not be submissive to a substance like alcohol. You shouldn't get drunk with much wine. He says, instead, what you should do is you should be filled with the Spirit. You should be submissive to Christ because he has not only died on the cross for your sin, but he has rose again. And then he continues and he says, if we are Spirit-filled, if the glass is full and the water is overflowing, if we're doing what God wants us to do, what happens? We sing. We raise our voices to God. We sing about the fact that he is good and his love endures forever. We sing about the fact that he is a good father, that he cares for us. We sing hymns and spiritual songs. We sing songs about God, his nature, his work, and his character. We sing songs about Jesus Christ, his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him, me or you, would not perish but have everlasting life because Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He came to save it. And it is by grace that you are saved through faith. Unmerited favor that you get God on your side. You believe in faith that Jesus came, descended, walked among us. He lived a perfect spotless life. He died on the cross and rose again for your sins. And so we are raised to new life in Christ, and we sing because we're doing what God wants us to do, not what the world wants us to do. That's the first component of being spirit-filled is that you sing, you raise your voice unto the Lord, whether it's in tune or out of tune, amen? And then Paul says the second outcome of being spirit-filled is that you would give thanks to the Lord, that you would give thanks to the Lord when, always and for everything, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the passage we have presented for us this morning. Let's pray. God, your word, not mine. Your truth, not mine. And God, as we strive to understand this passage this morning, would you impress this truth on all of our hearts, mine and the people who are gathered here this morning, so that we would know how to praise you, and we would know how to lift up our praises to you. Would you make it clear, God? Would you speak through me in a way that would be honoring and glorifying to you? And God, where I do you a disservice, I pray that it would not harm your great and perfect name, that we would be able to see you in the message and have an opportunity to walk out of here and praise you for your good. Your mercy and your love endures forever. Do a great work here this morning, God. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Give thanks. What does it mean to give thanks to the Lord? If you look at that word thanks, you can circle that in your Bible. Thanks is another way to say gratitude. Gratitude is a natural expression or response in regards to three things. We would say the first thing that it is a response to is for blessing. So we give thanks to God because he has blessed us. He's blessed us with his son, Jesus Christ. He has blessed us with the opportunity to know him personally by giving us his spirit. We also see the second thing of gratitude that we have is protection. There's protection in the family of God. It says that Jesus doesn't leave us or forsake us. He is with us. He is for us. He is fighting on our behalf. There is blessing in a relationship with God. There is protection in a relationship with God. And there is love in a relationship with God. 
And all of those things culminate for us as Christians, those who have confessed that we're sinners and believed in Christ as Savior in our hearts, that God is good and we give thanks to Him for it. Blessing, protection, and love. Now, how does that break down? It breaks down if you walk through the Bible. We could walk through the Bible and see all of those things kind of culminate and transpire. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We call them the law or the Pentateuch. And in the law and the Pentateuch, we see that God gives us life. He creates us. He creates us male and female. And that's the only two things, regardless of whether your culture tells you there is a man and there is a woman. And that's how it is. Okay? And so we see that God is the creator and giver of life. And so we thank God because we have life. That's a blessing. Your life is a gift. And so we see, God says, but we took our life and we damaged it. And so because we damaged it, God says, you can't just live kind of in a state of anarchy with no rules. He says, I'm going to give you rules. I'm going to give you laws and commandments. And we see that also in the first five books of the Bible. Then we travel a little bit in the Bible and we see the history of the Jewish people. And we see... They do what God tells them to do, or they don't do what God tells them to do. If they do what God tells them to do, they experience his blessing, right? When they don't do what God tells them to do, they experience his protection. Same is true for us today. When we are filled with the Spirit, conscious of what God wants us to do, we experience his blessings. Sometimes they're material, but sometimes they're just spiritual. And then when we break God's laws, we realize that God protects us. Same is true for the Jews in the Old Testament. You go a little bit farther and you get to Solomon in the books of wisdom. I like Solomon. God looks at him and he says, I'll give you anything that you want. You name it. Whatever you desire. Solomon says, God, I don't want things of the earth. I don't want earthly riches. I want to be wise. What a smart guy. He asks for wisdom. And what does God do? He gives it to him. He says, absolutely, I'll give it to you. And then he jots it down in the book of Proverbs for me and for you, and we can read it and know how to be wise. A blessing from God to be protected in your everyday life because of his love. We go into the major, into the minor prophets, and they culminate with the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament. We see God's love because there's 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus Christ, that he will come and that he will walk and that he will talk and he will die and he will rise again. And the Gospels tell all those things came true. Not one thing in the Old Testament does not come true about Jesus Christ. We see God's love for us in John chapter 3, verse 16. We see God's love for us manifested in all those pages of the gospel about what the prophets preached. His blessing, his protection, and his love. You get into the letters of the church, and we see all the ways which God is working in and through his people. Even today, we could see all of that is true. All the letters to the church prove true. and We see that God blesses, and he protects, and he loves his church because he loves him so much. What's he going to do in the book of Revelation? He will come. He'll come again. He's going to come back for us. That's good news. That's your Bible in a nutshell. I just walk you from Genesis to Revelation. It's simple. We make it so complicated, don't we? Now, you have to understand here, when Paul says, I want you to give thanks, I want you to do it always and for everything, not to manipulate the will of God. So oftentimes, what happens is, we thank God so that we can manipulate his will so that we can get what we want. Your kids are flawless at this, aren't they? Right? 
Mom and Dad, you're such a great God. Or you're not a great God. Oh, whoa. You're such great parents, and I love you so much. And what do we say to them? What do you want, right? What do you need? I just love you so much. You're the best dad in the world. I'm not. You're lying. What do you want, right? So we don't approach the throne of God and say, God, I give thanks to you because I desire that you do something for me. God's already done enough for us, hasn't he? He's blessed us with every spiritual gift. He's given us the opportunity to know him. And so what happens here is Paul says, I want you to give thanks out of the overflow of your heart, not to manipulate the will of God. And so therefore, he says, always in times of prosperity, when things are going really, really well, and in times of poverty, when things aren't so good. I want you, uh, Paul would say, to give thanks to God when you are happy, right? Joyful, full of joy. Man, you wake up in the morning and you look outside and the birds are singing and chirping, just like today. And you say, God is such a good God. And your spouse lays next to you because you would never do this. And you go, go back to bed, right? Who are you and what did you do with my wife, right? He says, no, you should give times when you're happy. And you should give times when you are grieving and sad and going through hurt and loss. I give thanks to God always and for everything. I give thanks to God when I'm healthy and my health is good. I give thanks to God when I am sick. In all seasons for everything, it is good to praise the Lord. Now, I'm reminded when you look at this verse like the wedding vows. Now, the funny thing is when we come Christians, we enter into a relationship with God, right? We're like, okay, I'm in a relationship with Jesus, and I confess I'm a sinner, and I believe that Christ is the Savior, and here he comes, and, and we embrace that. It's the same thing that happens here at church. We see a young couple walk down the aisle, and they hold each other's hands, and they are blissfully in love, right? It's so pretty. But to everybody in the congregation who's been married a long time, what do we do? We go, man, they have no idea what they're getting into. No clue what's going to happen, right? And they're staring at each other's eyes like, I will love you forever in good times and bad. You're lying through your teeth, right? I will love you when you leave the toilet seat up and I will love you when you squeeze the toothpaste in the middle. They give the craziest vows nowadays because we let people write their own vows. Don't write your own vows. Just stick with the traditional ones because you'll come back on it and you'll think to yourself, what was I thinking? That's not true. I tell couples all the time to write your own vows. It's good. So he says, in in good times and bad, in sickness and health, right, I will love you for all of my life. Those wedding vows are symbolic of the vows that Christ gives to us. He says, I will love you in good times and bad. I will love you in sickness and health. I will love you in happiness and heartache. I will love you at all times, in all places, for all things. Because you are my child, and I think you're awesome. Even regardless of the fact that you are a sinner, you walk down that aisle with a black wedding dress on because you are filthy. God says, I don't care. I still want a relationship with you. And so we come into a relationship with God and we realize his perfection and we give thanks to God always in all things because we are so excited to be in a relationship with somebody who is perfect. I'm flawless in a relationship with somebody who is perfect. It should bring us to joyful, exuberant praise over what God has done in our life. 
In everything, in all things, give thanks. Well, is there some biblical examples that you could bring up? Absolutely. I'm glad you asked. Daniel in the Old Testament. Everybody knows about Daniel, right? You track through his whole entire life. In the book of Daniel, in the first six chapters, we see Daniel's whole entire life essentially played out on paper. Daniel has problems with the society. What's wrong in the society? The leadership is crooked and twisted, not like in today's world. And Daniel goes up to his window, and he does this three times a day, and he says, I will give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And he says, God, even though they push against me and they want to kill me, I will still praise your name because you're good. You have been with me and my friends in all of these trials and tribulations, and I cannot not praise the Lord is what Daniel says. He says, I cannot stop spilling out praises to God because of his endless protection and his blessing and his love. You go a little bit farther in the Bible, and you see stories like Daniel, but you also see stories of Jonah. I love telling the story of Jonah to little kids because we break their heart because we tell them it wasn't a whale. And they're like, wait, what? It's not a whale? No, the Bible says big fish. Really big fish, okay? We don't know if it was a whale or not. Some of you want to debate me. Let's, let's go. I'll, I'll go toe-to-toe with you. He, he says, he, Jonah gets swallowed up, but we missed a story about Jonah. What happens with Jonah? God tells Jonah, I want you to go to evangelize, share your faith to a community of people who are lost. What does Jonah say? Sounds good, but I'm not going. He says, I don't want to go to those people. They'll kill me. You're crazy. He says, no way. So he goes and runs away from God, gets on a boat. They throw him off the boat because he loses the popularity contest, ends up in a giant fish, looks in the bottom of the fish, and if you watch Pinocchio, he flicks his flashlight like this because they had lighters back then, and he sees where he's at, and he says to himself, God is good. Even in the midst of my sin, he has still chosen to bless me. He has still chosen to protect me. He has still chosen to love me. And Jonah is regurgitated on top of the beach, and he's left there with an option. And what does he do? He goes and shares with a lost people about his living God. Paul says in the New Testament, those are good Old Testament illustrations, but in the New Testament, Paul says, I would rather the government kill me because it is better for me to be with Christ than to be here on this earth. If they push me to the point to where they break me in regards to taking my life, it would be far better for me to be with the Lord than it would be to be here on earth. Even in death, Paul says, God is still a God who blesses. God is still a God who protects. God is still a God who loves because God's blessings are not just reserved for here in this life. They are reserved also for an eternity. Yeah? That's good news. Far be it from me to withhold my praise to the Lord. Far be it from me to withhold my song to the Lord because of my conscious awareness of being filled with the Spirit, not with the substance, but with the Savior. Give thanks always and for everything. Where? To God the Father. Your direction of praise always is to go to God the Father. I direct my praise upward to Him because He is good, because He blesses, because He protects, because He loves. That's all Psalms is. If you read the book of Psalms, you will see over and over David breaking out his journal, writing down very clearly. He says, here is where God blesses us. Here is where God protects us. Here is where God loves us. 
And then you go in the New Testament, and now we see God giving us an example of these things in the person of Jesus Christ, which is the rest of the passage of Scripture that we miss. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks and praise to God because of his son. And we miss this all the time. And in the state of Indiana it happens. And in Illinois it happens. In Wisconsin it happens. And it happens across the world. Because the world knows who God is with their mind. But they have not accepted Jesus Christ the son in their heart. You can go to church your whole life and still be on a one-way train to hell. It's just the way it goes. God says, I don't want you to just have a knowledge of who I am and the fact that I'm good, that I bless, protect, and love. I want you to see it in Jesus Christ, my son, and his example in the New Testament text. You go through all the Gospels and you see Jesus just constantly blessing God. He says, he says God, God the Father, you, you're the one. This is awesome. Look at how this works. For example, he breaks bread, right? Something as simple as food that we miss so constantly that we forget to give blessing to and for. Jesus breaks bread and he says, thank you God for this food. His prayer's not long and drawn out. It's not heavenly father, thank you so much for this wonderful bread that you have given to us this day. And he just thanks God for the food and he moves on, right? Now, my question is, what happens if I fail to praise the Lord? Paul, you preach a good game, best pastor alive. Daniel could be a close tie. He says, <clears throat> if we were to do the opposite of this, there's something that transpires and takes place. In other words, every time that you withhold your praise, you're allowing root to take place in your heart. You don't believe me, do you? Let me see if I can explain it. Every time you withhold praise from God, you allow something to transpire in your heart. So, we're going to cut the cord today. Are you excited? I'm excited. I've been waiting for this all week. I was up all night last night. I looked at Bethany and said, I got an hour of sleep because I kept dreaming about balloons. <laughs> Watch this. Let's say, for example, we have something like money. Some of us have money in abundance, don't we? Some of us have it coming out of our ears, and if you do, man, we would love for you to participate in some building projects that we have going on here at church. Some of you just, it, 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 God has blessed you with money, and some of us, you know, we, we're, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel. In good times and bad times, though, we thank God for something. What happens if I don't thank God for the money in which he has given to me? Well, the thing that takes root is materialism. So every time I withhold my praise for the fact that God has given me money, I'm allowing materialism to take root in my heart. Are you tracking with me? So if I withhold my praise, and when that paycheck comes through my door or in my mailbox, and I look at it and I say, man, they, they messed me up again. We're allowing materialism to take place. So what does God want me to do? He wants me to cut the cord. So I'm going to let it go up. It is good to praise the Lord. Are you tracking? So I'm going to give God praise for lots of money, and I'm going to give God praise for a little bit of money because I don't want materialism to take root in my heart. Uh, okay, get that. What about uh, trials? Oh, we got some problems in our life? We got big problems and small problems, right? Well, what's the thing that takes root in my life? Complacency comes in, right? If I don't praise God from the trials that he gives me. Now, James says 
that in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Do you know what take heart means? Take heart means understand where the trial is coming from or being allowed to transpire. So what he says, God says, I don't want you to be complacent, but if you don't praise me for the trials that are in your life, then you're gonna. So you got to cut the cord. Say, cut the cord. Come on now, you got to say, cut the cord. So I cut the cord on all of these praises so that they will usher up to heaven. Look at, look at that. So that these won't take root in my life. I'm going to keep going. So we got, what about your job? Some of you love your job. And you praise God for it every morning. You get up in the morning, you say, God, I love, I love my job. Some of you hate your job. Do you realize that your job has been given to you by the Lord? He has provided for you in that way. Well, if I don't thank God for my job, what transpires? Greed. I become greedy, right? I look at it and I say, you know, I probably deserve a little bit more. So what do I got to do? I cut the cord. I let my praises go up so that sin won't take root. What about, oh, this one's a good one. I like this one. What about them hard coworkers? I'll, I'll do you one, one better. What about hard church people? You know, when you walk into church, you, oh man, seriously, again, she's here again, right? Pastor Jordan's here again. <laughs> you go into your job and you see that one person, man, if, and, and, and what happens if I don't thank God for them? Well, bitterness takes root, doesn't it? If I don't thank God for that person who's in my life, because God is going to use that person for his glory. Do you get that? He's going to use that person for his glory. He is showing you something about yourself in the shortcomings of somebody else. He is showing you exactly who you are and what you struggle with in the identification of the shortcoming of somebody else. That person drives you crazy for a reason, because there's something going on in your heart. What do I do? Got to cut the core, right? All right, let's cut the core. I got four praises going up. It's funny. We were having this conversation this week, and I said, I got to work on my prayer life because before this sermon, I had no idea what to thank God for. I mean, I thought I had a good idea, like, God, oh, thank you for the food, and thank you for my family, and all this other stuff. But then I realized I haven't stacked up my praises in a long time. And when we fail to stack up our praises, what happens is we have to look at the status of our heart. What about your family and your kids? Oh, now I'm going to talk to some moms and dads. Your kids go to school. Come on. And you watch them, and you go home, and you worry. Oh, I just hope that they're okay. I just, I just hope that they're good and that they don't come back with my daughters with stories of boys. Right? And I worry about them. I drop my daughter off every single day. And I walk down the hallway and I think to myself, I, I go, God, you got to be with her today. She is outside of my control. She is in your hands. 100%. Here, I'm going to let go because I, I, I got to let go of worry. So what I find myself doing as I'm walking down the hall is I say, God, thank you so much. Oh, you're a hard one. I say, God, thank you so much for my family and my kids and that you have entrusted my children to our care. 
And thank you for the fact that we've had seven wonderful years with Corrine and five wonderful years with Gianna. Would you allow that to keep going, God? Would you protect them in this place today? Would you allow them to be lights for your son Jesus in this place? Would you allow them to remember the words that we spoke this morning at the devotional table? And at the more, watch this, the more I give thanks to God, the more that one thing that takes root in my heart starts to expire. Are you tracking with me? So I got to praise God because what I'm doing is I'm not giving Satan a foothold in my life. He's not going to get the chance to steal my praise, and he's not going to get the chance to take root in my heart. I don't want to be materialistic. I don't want to be complacent. I don't want to be greedy. I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to worry. All these things we all struggle with. And how do I get rid of those things in my life? I got to praise the Lord. Paul says it is a shame for the people of God to withhold their praise to God. This little guy over here, we'll get to you in a minute. What about no answers to prayer? What about when God says no? You prayed very specifically for the job, for the house. You prayed very specifically for your family members. You prayed very specifically for them, and God very clearly said no. And now all of a sudden we have control issues. Because I am not going to praise God for the no in my life. And you know what you just did? You said, God, I'm in more control than you are. And he says, for the moment, for the moment. And he says, that's not even true. And so I Say, God, thank you so much that you would protect me, tracking with me, protect me by saying no. How many times you say no to your kids? I say it all the time. All the time. And they're like, oh, why not? Dad, because it's not good for you to spend 12 hours in front of an iPad. It's just not good. And they go, I disagree. Well, this is not a table where we take votes. This is dad saying no. Dad, the other day, Dad, I want a fudgesicle, okay? Six o'clock, you ate pretty much most of your dinner. What I said, yes, absolutely, you can have a fudgesicle. Same thing happened in the morning. Dad, I want a fudgesicle. It's breakfast. We don't eat fudgesicles for breakfast. Some of you are like, I, I'd give it to him, teach him a lesson. <clears throat> no, I got I to thank God so that the control goes away, okay? Look at this little guy. What about the sovereignty of God? You know what the sovereignty of God is? He's good. He's working in all things, through all things. Well, if I don't give God the sovereignty to know that he is working and moving, then I become afraid. I don't want to be afraid. 365 times the Bible says, do not fear. But God, you don't know what's going on in my life. What's he say to us? I, absolutely, I do. I know exactly what's going on in your life. I have not given you a spirit of fear. I've given you a spirit of praise, he says. What about them test results? Got a couple people in our congregation right now that got them bad test results. What happens if I don't praise God for the bad test results? What if I don't praise God for the good test results? I'm selfish. I'm selfish. Say, God, I want what I want, not what you want. What if God's going to use you in the cancer ward to bring people to Jesus Christ? What if God's going to use you with the nurses to bring people to Jesus Christ? When I was growing up, 
there's a kid in uh, my dad's church. His name was Mason Dunlap. Never forget his name. And uh, Mason had a tracheotomy. And the nurses would come into his house. And the parents, first of all, you know, when he first got uh, this, this problem, they were, they were nervous and they were scared and they were like, man, I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. And Mason looked at his parents and he said, mom, dad, it's, it's cool. It's, it's okay. Little kid. He said, why is it okay? Because think of all the nurses and doctors we're going to see that we could tell about Jesus. Sure enough, he's in his house. Home health care comes in and starts to take care of him. He starts talking to this lady about Jesus. And he says, do you know that we're all sinners and we all deserve to die? But did you know that Jesus is a good God, or God is a good guy since son, Jesus Christ? I mean, clear as day. And he says, have you ever made the decision to confess that you're a sinner and believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? And the lady looks at him and goes, No. He says, you want to? The best decision you ever made. Right there on the spot. Absolutely, Mason, I do. Still walking with the Lord to this day. What happens if that family would have failed to praise the Lord for the sickness that was transpiring in their young son's life? Do not be afraid. Do not be selfish. That's a hard one to cut. Look at that. Oh, man, BSF is going to be so excited. <laughs> okay? What about this one? What about the differences? I got two more left. What about the differences in our life? Right? What about differences? Brad Klopp and me, that's not his real name, is... <laughs> we're, we're different, right? What if I don't thank God for the difference? What if everybody... Think about a painful thought here for a second. What if everybody was just like me? No. Right now you're praising God that they're not. What if everybody in life was just like you? Oh my goodness. Can you imagine? What happens if I don't praise the Lord for somebody else's differences? I'll be honest. This one's a hard one for me. What happens is if I don't praise the Lord, if I don't cut the cord, hate starts to transpire and take root, doesn't it? If I look at Brad and I say he's different than me and I don't like it. I start to become <clears throat> hateful towards him. I don't like him anymore. So I, <coughs> I give up my praise. I say, God, thank you so much for him and, and what he's doing. Is it hard sometimes to do that? Oh, man, absolutely. What about your weakness in your life? What about that? That one thing that you struggle with, your insecurity, the thing that you just struggle with. I can't praise the Lord for that, can I? Absolutely you can, because if you don't, then you get trust issues. Ten. Ten balloons in the sky. Give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? So that this does not transpire in here. It is good to praise the Lord for all things, for everything, always. Because he's a God who has blessed us, because he's a God who's protected us, and because he's a God who's loved us. And so we're going to give you an opportunity. I totally undershot the helium tanks today. And I got two little tiny helium tanks, and I thought, man, that's going to blow up like 200 balloons. And it blew up... These many balloons. <laughs> so what we're going to do is um, we'll take one per family, okay? And we got a bunch of Sharpies and all that other stuff. If you don't get one, 
just come see me and I'll buy you a balloon later, okay? Um, but uh, what, what we would like for you to do is to praise the Lord this morning. And so uh, Emily's going to come up and Brad, you can come up and Matt, you want to come help me too? And uh, we're going to let these guys um, and gals pass out a balloon. Okay, you guys can come. Go ahead. All right. And right now, as you're sitting in the pews, I want you to think, just, just think, okay? What is it that I can praise the Lord for right now in this place? What, what is it? What is it for me? The worship team's going to come up. Um, and even as you're sitting in your, in your pew this morning, you could even, on that slip that you have in front of you, start to think about some of the things that you could write on the balloon. Now, Brad's got the markers. Jess Crawlman pulled a dirty prank on me. I was writing, trying to see if I could write it with, it, with pen uh, earlier this week. And it, it works, but they pop, Okay. She thought it was hilarious. I almost sent her to meet Jesus. <laughs> so use the markers, all right? Because balloons make me nervous anyway, all right? <clears throat> now, <clears throat> what I want you to do is, I want you to think, all right, what are some ways that I can praise the Lord this morning? What are some things that I can praise God for? Go outside of what you normally praise God for. Here's a switch on it. What are some things, and we can share markers here this morning too, what are some things, okay, that you're struggling with in your heart, and how do those flip or transpire? How do you flip those over, okay? So we did this this week. We were thinking to ourselves, what's some things that we struggle with um, as staff? What's some of the things that we struggle with as people in general? And these are some of the things that came up. And so what we did was we realized the praise when we realized the weakness or the struggle or the sin. Does that make sense? And so what we're going to do is um, the worship band's going to sing, okay? And as you feel led, after your family's kind of filled up your balloon, we're, you just let it go, okay? Just let it go. And it's okay. They're going to stay up there forever, and, and we're cool with that. But I want you to just let the balloon go. And maybe you want to take a picture of it. You can put it online, or you can take a picture of it, and you can put it on your bathroom mirror. You can print it out, right? And say, and look at that and say, man... Is good to praise the Lord. <clears throat> Jeff, if you would open up as we're um, passing out these balloons, the song that we're about to sing, is, I want you to think about these lyrics too. <clears throat> Lord, you're good and your mercy endures forever. That's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. And it's good. And it says, go next one. <clears throat> it says, people from every nation, background, Tongue, generation, people that speak English, people that speak Spanish, people that speak Portuguese, from every area of life, right? From generation to generation to generation. Did you know when you give praise to the Lord, you are setting an example for the younger generation? Your attitude of gratitude goes from you to somebody else. Go to the next slide, Jeff. <clears throat> we worship you, we worship you. Hallelujah means all praise. We praise God, his blessing, his protection, and his love, okay? So I'm going to let the worship band kind of do their thing. If you want a balloon, you raise your hand and say, hey, I want a balloon. Um, as you see markers going by, you get to write on it, all right? Have fun doing it. If you, see, if you hear a popping, it's all good, all right? It's just a praise going up because the cord's still cut, all right? <clears throat> and then just, just let them go when you see fit. Becky, you ready? All right. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church Podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.